0: Hey there, I'm Phil, and you're listening to The Drunk Detectives, a true crime podcast with a focus on cold cases and unsolved murder investigations. So join me for a cocktail as I talk about some of the world's most notorious unsolved murder cases, and I hope you're ready, because the next episode starts now. like setting their stuff up next to us, and I was ge- I was getting so upset because I'm like, spread out, bitch! Right? I'm like, don't you dare!
1: Do you see my little moose behind me? <laughs> I do. I do see that. I, like I don't that. have a name. I don't have a name for them yet. My moose. But Did you guys kiki though? It was fun.
0: It was a good time. You know, we literally spent most of our time in the water. So,
1: uh, I like to swim. Yeah, I'll look like a drowned, a drowned rat when I get in. But
0: I, I like it because I feel like because I'm a little more fluffy, I kind of I'm more buoyant, you know. So I'm not <laughs> kind of like a buoy, just kind of bobbing in the water.
1: <laughs> oh my god, just pure shark bait.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, I mean, things have been crazy lately. You know, I mean, took a little break from the podcast because I had had COVID, and then so I wasn't feeling well, and I just wasn't up to doing it. And then I was like, all right, well, once I get better and i i feel like i'm not as exhausted anymore and i can get back into recording and then you know everything happened with uh george floyd and brianna taylor and black lives matter movement and i was like you know what i think right now the last thing we need is some more murder and <laughs> death going around so i was like i'm gonna right. hang back for a bit but i think now we've been we've been in the motion for a little bit and i think it's okay to be able to do this without pulling attention away i'm ready to dive back in
1: Absolutely. I'm yeah. so
0: excited. Yes, it's, so, it's going to be so much fun. Well, so this is The Drunk Detectives, and I'm so excited to be back and recording, and I have my very special guest with me, Miss Salmonella.
1: Bonjour! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, Miss Salmonella. She is campy and hilarious. We met a while back. We did Miss Hell's Kitchen pageant together in New York City. and
1: Ages ago. Uh,
0: right? It feels like it.
2: <laughs> it, was it was just
0: a little over a year. Only a year
1: yeah.
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> but it feels like forever the world has changed drastically since then so
1: seriously oh my god and they were even reaching out to us to like do that pageant again before yeah. the pandemic hit and it was like there won't be any pageants anytime soon no
0: there there will not be and honestly that's okay because i spent a decent amount of money on that pageant <laughs> oh
1: trust what a nightmare
0: it was intense. It was a good. But you know what? I, I enjoy it. I enjoy Miss Hell's Kitchen. It's one of those pageants where it's like it's it's fun and I don't, you know, as much as there is some pressure because, of course, you want to win, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just a good time. It's like, you know. It's
1: you, one of the nicer ones, too. Yeah.
0: And it's also, it's one of those things where it's like when you go in, it's like literally anyone could win that pageant. It's not like absolutely. Yeah, it's not like a like one of these pageants where like you go in and you know exactly who's going to place and you know exactly like like when I walked into that dressing room I was like literally any of these girls could walk away with that crown. So
1: It was a really good group of girls I thought.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's and such a good cause. Cycle for Cycle for um the cause is a really really fantastic charity and I think that everybody should get behind it. So
1: I agree. <laughs> Cool. Gloria gets quite the the rain, you know. Oh I mean? yeah, right.
0: She gets to, <laughs> she, by default. She gets it rolls over for another year. Good for her. <laughs>
1: yeah, good for her. Cheers.
0: They're gonna have to pry that crown from her, her de- cold dead fingers. <laughs> so for you know for those of you who are listening, uh Selmanella is she's campy and and she's so much fun and uh, I'm really happy to have you here with me on the podcast. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know it's. It can be a difficult balancing act to be able to talk about murder and also keep it entertaining and fun and <laughs> and campy. But I find that there are plenty of cases quite like the one that we're going to talk about today, which as horrific and awful as it is, there is some really ridiculous antics that ensued <laughs> within the investigation. So absolutely. Um, uh, so before we jump into that, just tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about um, your your cooking show. I think that people would be really interested.
1: <laughs> yeah, so my name is Manella. I am a New York City-based drag queen. I've been doing drag for about five years, but I just moved here two years ago. I'm a Broadway wig stylist, which is also on hold for the fourth future yeah. um but I, I do drag here as well and yeah i just out of sheer and utter boredom i started this cooking show because i had been watching food network since like i could walk and talk i just love ina Garten and you know all of the above although it's getting more food network is getting more like game showy yes. than i would like i just kind of like to watch people cook But so, and my my mom's a chef as well. She went to the Culinary Institute of America. So it it kind of just like all came to a head during this pandemic. And I was bored and just wanted to create just content to make people, you know, laugh. And this cooking show ensued. It's called Cluck That. It's on my YouTube channel, Salmonella, S-E-L-M-A-N-I-L-L-A. Every Wednesday, we release a video. I also took a hiatus from Creating as well, you know, I just didn't want to self-promote or anything during absolutely the Black Lives Matter movement, which is, you know, still going on and forever should go on. But I wanted to give the art like a little break. So, but I'm absolutely. back. I'm back.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely important, especially in you know in the heat of the, ra- uh, the rally the rallying cry when when things were really starting to you know propel forward to not to not pull focus away from you know what it is that black lives matter was doing and and the attention that they deserved uh so i i totally agree with you i felt the same way i you know i wasn't really posting anything on social media that wasn't in regards to that and i wasn't creating and i wasn't recording anything so uh but it's nice to be back and i you know and and now also be able to use this platform as an opportunity to say black lives matter you know i believe that black lives matter and i think that until we find justice for uh, all for our black brothers and sisters who you know have suffered at the hands of police and and at the hands of this country and and this government for centuries that we have to continue to say that so
1: uh, exactly I used to say all the time you know before all of this happened that you know I used to use my platform as like a way to be an excuse for people to like get away from all of the political you know nonsense of the day and just like be a distraction. And then I realized, like, we can't be a distraction. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, it's good for us to allow people to laugh and express, you know, that side of themselves. But we also just have that platform that we need to use to, you know, fight for Black Lives Matter and even the pandemic. Like, people still aren't wearing their masks and stuff. And we just need to get that point across too because so many people are dying. It's Absolutely. Just, it's crazy
0: absolutely but you know being able to find these moments uh where you can you can create and you can have fun and you can enjoy life uh you know in regards to um the way things are now you know it's that's important as well so let's jump on in i'm so excited um so today uh i i had had something else planned and then my social media started blowing up. And when I say social media, I mean, just Reddit. Um, <laughs> about, because I, I follow so many like, like, um, re- like uh, subreddit unresolved um, unsolved mysteries, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it started blowing up all this stuff regarding to John Benet Ramsey. So I said, you know what? Why don't we dive back into that? We've never done an episode on John Benet Ramsey before. And I think that, Now's the time. So,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Especially right now with, you know, the, all these conspiracy theories going on with, in regards to Pizzagate and, you know, the, the government being involved in these, you know, child sex trafficking rings. It's time to kind of come into John Benet Ramsey with a kind of different lens. So. All right, so let's start. Uh, Boulder, Colorado, December 26th, 1996. A 911 call is made from the Ramsey residence at 5.52 a.m. Patsy Ramsey frantically tells the 911 dispatcher, we have a kidnapping, hurry please, and that there is a note that has been left and her daughter is gone. Patsy tells the dispatcher that she doesn't know how long her daughter has been gone and urges her to send police immediately. The 911 call lasts approximately one minute and 16 seconds. I don't know if you're one of
1: those people who likes to listen to 911. <laughs> oh, no, I'm d- yeah, let's listen.
2: 911 emergency. Oh, i Police! What's going on? 515th Street. What's going on there, ma'am? We have a kidnapping. Right, Hi, please. Explain to me what's going on, okay? There, yeah, we have a There's a note left, and our daughter's gone. A note was left, and your daughter is yeah. gone. How old is your daughter? I'm six years old. She's blind. Six years old long ago was it? I don't know. I just tell the note. Oh, my God. Is it same the checker? What? Is it saying the checker? I don't know. It's, there's, a, there's a ransom note here. It's a ransom note? It says S B T C Victory. Mm-hmm. Please. Okay, what's your name? Are you happy Patsy Ramsey. I'm the mother. Oh, my God. Please. I'm, okay, I'm sending an officer over, okay? Please. Do you know how long she's been gone? No, I don't. Please, we just got out and she not here. Oh, my God. Please. Okay. Please well, this is somebody. I am, honey. Please. Take a deep breath Please. please okay? Sorry, hurry, hurry, hurry. Patsy? 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 Patsy?
0: There was always something about the nine one one call that just didn't sit right with me. So I it
1: feels like contrived almost.
0: Yeah. Yes, it does feel very contrived. So what I what I wanted to do was I wanted to kind of delve into that a little bit, which uh, I think it kind of gets glossed over a lot. So I have uh, I went through I have a analysis that was done by Mark McClish, who is um, so I'll tell you a little bit about him he is a retired supervisory deputy united states marshal with 26 years of federal law enforcement experience Uh, he's written a bunch of books uh, including i know you are lying and don't be deceived and while he was with the u.s marshal service training academy he was the lead instructor on interviewing techniques during which time he researched interviewee responses to questioning and this led him to develop a system uh, called statements analysis which allows a person to detect deception in a verbal and or written statement so wow. yeah so he actually if you go to uh statementanalysis.com uh, i believe it is uh so, yeah st- statementanalysis.com uh you can he has a bunch of different um, you know uh, analyses of you know different cases 911 calls ran some notes, things like that, uh, from popular cases and pop and popular culture. And it's, uh, it's really interesting. So I, I read through his analysis of the, uh, Patsy Ramsey's 911 call. So, huh, Excuse me. I have to burp.
1: Let nope. it out, baby. No, I don't. No, I don't. I, <laughs> I, I don't. Anyway.
0: <laughs> uh, so, so right away, Uh, Mark McClish notices discrepancies within Patsy Ramsey's statements, the first being how nonspecific her statements are. So um, when uh, he quotes, I quote him as saying, there's the burp. There it is. (laughs) So uh, I quote him as saying, uh, she does not tell the 911 operator who who was kidnapped uh, like we would expect her to say. Um, she, we expect her to say my daughter or our daughter has been kidnapped. Most people do not want to lie and will avoid telling a lie. So when people do decide to lie, they will often not tell a direct lie. They will soften the lie saying my daughter has been kidnapped. Uh, so my daughter has been kidnapped may be a direct lie, but saying we have a kidnapping may be a lie that lacks specifics. So it's easier to say, right? So uh, next he touches on the order in which she gives information to the dispatcher, stating, we have a note and our daughter's gone. So McClish states that uh, this order is significant because the most important information should be that her daughter is missing. Therefore, that would be the first piece of information that she should give to the dispatcher, but it's not. Uh, McClish also touches on the use of the word gone uh, at this time as opposed to missing. At this point in time, John Bonet was already deceased, so he states oh. that Patsy may have already known that John Bonet was dead and therefore used the term "gone" as opposed to "missing."
1: Ew! I just got chills. I hate that.
0: Yeah. So Patsy later goes on to say that her daughter is missing, and McClish and says that it is notable because often people will stick to the same language, and due to the fact that she changed her, her language half, you know, partway through the message. He says something caused her to change her language. That something might be that she is being deceptive. Then again, there may be a justification for the change in language. When she she used the word gone, she used the plural pronoun our. When she used the word missing, she used the singular pronoun my. Uh, We can't read people's minds, but we can recognize a change in their language. Wow. Yeah. So Patsy also uses questions to answer the questions that are posed to her by the dispatcher. McClish states that usually this indicates that the person was asked a sensitive question. Often it's used as a stall tactic to give someone time to think up an answer. Okay. Patsy's language continues to change throughout. Uh, the minute and and 16 second 911 call, she starts to call the note a ransom note, which McClish believes um, there was no justification for her to change her language there, and he feels that that was an indication of deception.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Patsy uses the word "just" as in "we just got up" and she's not here. Uh, McClish states that this is often used to minimize someone's actions and to minimize the time frame that things happened in. Uh, And therefore, this is an indication of deception. When asked her name, Patsy says, Patsy Ramsey, I am the mother. Oh my God, please. McClish says that Patsy's use of the mother as opposed to her mother shows that Patsy is trying to distance herself from her daughter and from what has happened to her. If she knew that Bonet was dead, she may not have wanted to take ownership of a dead body. And then he goes on to say, there is one other odd thing about the 911 call, and that is, Patsy hung up the phone. The 911 operator is your lifeline. This is the person who is going to help you. They are going to send you help. They may get the word out to be on the lookout for a certain person or vehicle. You will want to stay on the phone with the 911 operator until help arrives. Once she reports the kidnapping, Patsy hangs up the phone.
1: I think that's really weird, too, because it's almost as if she... Yeah, she's like faking this nine one one call, and then got nervous because it wasn't going well, or just didn't know what else to say. Was fumbling her words mm-hmm. because she was being asked questions that she probably like just didn't know how to answer.
0: Exactly. Uh, there, you know, there have been you know things said about you know people here at the very end of the nine one one call. A lot, people hear different things. Some people hear. Um, patsy saying uh god help me uh they hear burke saying uh what did you find they hear a lot of different things at the end that has been a theory in that burke who they claimed was asleep through the whole thing was awake and he was in the background and he was talking and you know they then she hung up the phone for that reason there's a there's been a lot of different a lot of speculation about why she hung up the phone and what was going on at that time the, the, the strangest thing about the 911 call is that the ransom note that was left by the alleged kidnappers specifically warned the Ramseys against contacting the authorities. Right. So let's get into that. So the ransom note, it, it has been a huge thing about this case. It's been very strange from the very beginning. It's three pages long. Truly
1: trying to fill, like, the essay word count minimum. For
0: real. I was <laughs> like, um you, you clearly got a very high score on your written part of your SAT. Congratulations. <laughs> and the, the ransom note was written on a legal pad that was found in the Ramsey's home, written with a marker that was found in the Ramsey home, and a few pages behind where the note was written out, they found what they believed to be uh, a, a first attempt of the note that was still within the, the pad. Uh, oh, yeah. So you know, if if someone were to come in and and try to kidnap a child, you would think
1: they wouldn't have time.
0: Yeah. It. It's. We'll get into. We'll get into that. So I'm going to read the note. Um, Mister Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We we respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed. And if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 100000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attache case to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If... If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money, and hence an earlier, and then delivery is crossed out, pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter are not particularly like do not particularly like you so i advise you not to provoke them speaking to anyone about your situation such as police fbi etc will result in your daughter being beheaded if we catch you talking to a stray dog she dies if you alert bank authorities she dies if the money is in any way marked or tampered with she dies you will be scanned for electronic devices and if any are found she dies you can try to deceive us but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our in- oh, sorry. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand on a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to f- grow don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the you are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good Southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Signed victory SBTC
1: Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot, it's so specific, and it's the end. Like I don't know, because only her fingerprints were found on that letter, yes, and it it came from her house i don't I feel like she wrote it, but honestly, no one knows why
0: mm-hmm, so
1: um
0: it's it's strange, it's strange because you know in in a, in a kidnapping, you would think that if somebody is kidnapping a child, they're gonna be you know, kind of getting to the to the meat and potatoes of the situation. We have your daughter. Give us the money. This is where you, you drop it off. Done. Right? Right. Instead, they go on for three pages. And it's, you know, I mean, saying things like you need to bring an adequately sized attache, like it, I mean, obviously, if you're going to be going and collecting all this money, you want to bring like why are, you know it's just you need something like big
1: enough to yeah. fit yeah
0: it's just it's just bizarre the way that it's it's worded in in those in in, in that sense you know um
1: uh but also obviously she wasn't kidnapped because she was exactly. found dead in their own home so it's like if there was a kidnapper which there wasn't she wouldn't have been found inside of their own home she wouldn't be there
0: mm-hmm. also John Ramsey was, as of May of 1996, he had a net worth of over $6 million.
1: And they
0: were were only asking for $118,000.
1: Which happened to be the same amount as his Christmas bonus that previous year.
0: Yes. So it's it's very bizarre, uh, and none of it really makes much sense. But McClish also dissects the ransom note he does a lot <laughs> and if you want to really get into it um you can go to that website that i mentioned before and you can really get into you know exactly all, all of the, the things that he says about it um and that's at statementanalysis.com but I I just touched on on certain things that I thought were noteworthy. So McClish immediately calls out the length of the ransom note, which I was saying before. He states that ransom notes are usually shortened to the point, and this ransom note, as I said before, was was uh, written on three separate sheets of paper. Also, that year that John Ramsey's bonus was one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars, while he had a net worth of six million dollars, is um, calls for att- calls for attention. The writer of the letter misspelled certain words like business and possessions, but was able to accurately spell deviation and attache, and even included the proper accent mark. (laughs) McClish believes that this was an attempt to mislead the reader into believing that the writer is uneducated or a foreigner. The two misspellings... Yes. Yeah, he says the two misspellings occur in the first paragraph. After that, the writer uses correct grammar, except for using the article... A when he should have written an. And uh, McClish believes Mm -hmm. that this is proof that the misspelled words were done on purpose. The note contains many inconsistencies. The voice of the letter switches from a plural or group voice to a singular voice. The note mentions that the the Ramses will be under constant scrutiny as opposed to just saying, you know, we're watching you, which he found interesting. Most notably is the use of the word hence. That's used in the, in the note, as it's not a very common word to use in conversation, let alone in a ransom note. And the Ramses themselves have been known to use the word hence in interviews and in their Christmas card that they sent, which stated, Had there been no birth of Christ, there would be no hope for eternal life and hence no hope of ever being with our loved ones again.
1: Yeah, I mean you no one really ever uses that word.
0: Exactly. And I and it's used at least twice in in the ransom note. And and the ran, and the Ramses had used it in interviews as well. So it, it it just it's it's an interesting pattern to
1: say the least. Absolutely. I just I don't know. I don't see any reason for the ransom note. Unless they just had never planned for her body to be found. You know what I mean? If she just went missing, then the ransom note, I guess, would make sense in her eyes.
0: Mm -hmm. So, McClish believes that the ransom note was written in an attempt to make the murder look like a kidnapping. And another one that, the thing that people have, have really talked about a lot is the way that it's signed. Victory, SBTC. The acronym has been theorized to mean a lot of different things, seduced by the child, signed by the captain. Uh, there's even been people state that it is in connection with Freemasons and goes along with you know Freemason symbol- symbolism and that Pats- Patsy Ramsey's father has uh, a Freemason crest on his tombstone and that might have some connection to it. But the, the one that I think has made the most sense to me is uh, actually a pretty common acronym that's used. SBTC, which means Saved by the Cross, which is mm-hmm. used in a lot of charismatic Christian sects, and often paired with victory, as Jesus is the victory over death. Uh, and actually, Patsy Ramsey was said to be particularly fond of that saying.
1: Also, I wonder why she would use it though. Like that would give her away.
0: Unless it was sort of her way of dealing with guilt Mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, I, you know, whether or not she is responsible directly for the death of her daughter, you know, maybe she, it makes her feel a little better knowing that like, you know, my daughter is with Christ and, and at least, you know, Jesus has given us victory over death and that I will one day be reunited with her. And I, I don't, I'm, I, I grew up Christian I grew up Catholic I, I I and I think I distance myself from it for a reason uh but I think a lot of people who are very religious and especially very uh Christian when they're feeling guilty when they're feeling angry they turn when they're feeling sad they turn to Christianity and they turn to a lot of these, these Psalms and, and sayings to kind of relieve that guilt. And I think mm-hmm. it, it makes a lot of sense to me that, that if Patsy was the person who wrote the letter, that she would do that. There was also, uh, I, you know, I don't know how true it is, but there, there, uh, I did come across in regards to the one, uh, you know, 118,000 Psalm 118 verse 27. Is seen and and it is about someone sac- um, you know offering a sacrifice to God, and it says, "God is the Lord, which has showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even to the horns of the altar." I mean, it's interesting because John JonBenet Ramsey was strangled with a cord, and it is said that Patsy's Bible was turned to that psalm when they were searching. The house. I don't know how accurate that is, you know, especially right now, especially after so many years, there's been a lot of uh, speculation and rumor that has gone into this. So it really has become more of an urban legend at this point than, you know, a murder investigation. Right. So handwriting analyst Sina Wong found about 200 similarities between Patsy Ramsey's handwriting and the ransom note. Now this is difficult because the note was written with a marker right? like a sharpie a lot of the intricacies that you would find with like a pen, like a ballpoint pen or with a pencil are diminished or blurred because of, of how wide the tip of a marker is uh, mm-hmm. but Sina Wong did say that The ransom note had four different variations of the letter A used within it. And when they were testing Patsy Ramsey's handwriting, her handwriting had all four of those variations of the letter A within it. Wow! Um, So Wong does believe that Patsy could have written the note. But, you know, is she capable of murdering her own child? Who knows?
1: I I mean, I I don't think she murdered her child, but I think she did write the note. I do, too. She's um, helping cover something
0: up. For sure. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's really what it came down to ultimately with the, with the John case is that a lot of things went wrong because I think that John and Patsy really were trying to cover up what had really happened and they were making sure that the investigation didn't go well. So, so after Patsy hung up the phone um, from the 911 call, she, called family and friends to come over and then two so two police were also dispatched and arrived at the Ramsey Ramsey home within 3 minutes of the 911 call which is honestly the fastest i think i've ever heard of police being dispatched so it right. just goes to show you if you have money the police will They'll respond be there. pretty quickly the police started noticing odd behavior from John and Patsy from the moment that they arrived first was that Patsy and John seemed very distant from one another, often not being in the same room together. Mm-hmm. And Patsy became very uh, distressed when the police officer showed up, you know, in uniform, which if, you know, if you're going to you know, believe the whole, you know, this whole thing about this ransom note, which could be understandable if, you know, we weren't supposed to call the police. Now we did. And people are watching us and there's a police officer in uniform is understandable. Right. But so the, um, the two police that, that first show up on the scene, they do a quick, you know, kind of preliminary, you know, surveillance of the property of the house. Uh, they walk along the outside. They walk along the inside. They are looking for possible escape routes and entrance ways. They, they notice that there is no forced entry into the home. And one of the police officers, Rick French, had gone down to the basement where he came to a door with a wooden latch on it. And he, since he was just looking for escapeways, he didn't think to go down into the wine cellar because it didn't seem like the possible way for, a, you know, any suspect to get out of the home. So he walked, he walked past it and, and kept going. And later on, that would be the door
1: where John Binet's body would be found. I mean, how silly, like, yeah. <laughs> if they're going to check the house, check the goddamn house. You, you would think, you would
0: think. But I do I can understand his reasoning at this time they're thinking it's it's a kidnapping. They're just looking for, you know, was this window busted in? You know, would somebody have gotten out this way? Would they've been able to bring a, a child through? So it's it is kind of understandable, but at the same time, you know, they they weren't securing the crime scene at all. So Let's see. Uh, By 7.30 a.m., John Ramsey made arrangements. But also,
1: they have so much money. You have to also think that with that much money, you could pay off the police as well. You know what I mean? So yeah, for sure. that could have just been an excuse that he made up, that police officer made up, that he just didn't check because it didn't have... There was no way someone could escape from that latch door, but...
0: By 7.30 a.m., John Ramsey made arrangements to pay the ransom. And at 8 a.m., the police, not the Ramseys, call a victim's advocate group to come and console the Ramseys, which brings even more people into the crime scene. The, uh, the victim's advocates used the Ramseys' kitchen and then sprayed down the counters and cleaned them.
1: Are you kidding me? Swear to God. Oh, my God.
0: Uh At 10 a.m., a forensics team... So now the 911 call was made at 5.52 in the morning. The forensics team does not make it to the Ramsey's house until 10 a.m. Uh So 10 a.m., the forensics team is at the home and searching the crime scene, which at this point was only contained to John Bonet's bedroom due to the belief that she was kidnapped. So they weren't, you know, they didn't you know clear the whole house
1: right
0: so uh only yeah so only her bedroom had been cordoned off uh, and by this point friends family and even the family minister had
1: arrived they're just inviting the whole damn neighborhood
0: yeah so there was no precaution taken at all to preserve the evidence in the rest of the house you know people were cleaning people were moving things around people were making coffee people were you know and in the process, they destroyed any evidence that could have been obtained by crime scene investigators. Right. And then Boulder Police Officer Linda Arnd, who I have a lot of personal issues with, and if she ever hears this, I want her to know I have personal issues with her. Uh, <laughs> she was dispatched to the, res- the residence with the intention of awaiting instruction from the kidnappers. But... Even though the kidnappers supposedly in the ransom note said that they were going to be contacting between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., no one ever contacted them.
1: Of course not, because they were made up.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Um, Even stranger, the FBI had come in at 8 a.m., had set up a wiretap in the home and left. It's interesting because in the ransom note, they mentioned a small foreign faction which insinuated foreign terrorism and the FBI didn't get involved other other than to add a wiretap. Right. Which is bizarre because of the nature of John Ramsey's work, which we're going to get into very shortly. Let's just say that he worked for one of the world's largest weapons dealers. So uh, at 1 p.m., Police Officer Arndt of the Boulder PD, uh, who at this point by one p.m. was the only law enforce enforcement personnel left on the scene. Mm-hmm. So now you have a man who works for a company that creates, you know, military grade weapons for the government. His child has supposedly gone missing. Supposedly, a small foreign faction is ha- is responsible, according to this note, and not. No, no one. There's just one lone police officer left on the scene.
1: Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah.
0: So at this point, Linda Arndt, I I really just have, I I have a lot of questions (laughs) about why she would do such a thing, but she turns to John Ramsey and Fleet White, who was a very good friend of the Ramseys and says, why don't you go and check the house from top to bottom to see if anything seems amiss? So this begs the question, why? would a police officer who is supposed to be securing a crime scene allow civilians to search the crime scene especially the father of the child who was missing
1: right that's not his job
2: she says she gave them specific instructions not to touch anything she says john ramsey headed straight to the basement she heard fleet white scream for an ambulance and then a chilling discovery
1: for aren't the pieces of the puzzle fell into place.
2: And I see John Ramsey carrying John Bonnet up the last three steps from the basement. And, um, and my mind exploded. And everything that I had noted that morning that stuck out instantly made sense.
0: John Ramsey and Fleet White Started their search from the basement, which is being the literal opposite of what they were told to do, which was to check the house from top to bottom. So, who, John, in,
1: who initiated that? Was so, John the one who was like, let's start in the bottom?
0: John Ramsey heads straight to the basement and goes to the wine cellar, opens the door, and screams, Oh my God, my baby. John Binet's body was found. Her mouth was covered with duct tape, and there was a nylon cord wrapped around her neck made into a garrotte uh, that was fashioned between with this nylon cord and a piece and two pieces of a broken paintbrush that belonged to Patsy Ramsey. John Binet's body was covered in a white blanket, and she had her hands bound above her head. The first thing that John Ramsey did was to pull the duct tape off of John Binet's mouth and attempt to untie her hands. He then picked up her body and carried it upstairs and placed it on the floor. Linda Arndt then picked up the body of Binet and carried it into the living room where Patsy Ramsey ran in and threw herself on, herself on top of her daughter's body and began crying and shouting, My angel, my baby.
1: Oh my God.
0: So, both the movement of Bonet's body from the basement upstairs and then from there to the living room, handled by both her father and by Linda Arndt, also the removing of the duct tape, the attempt to untie her hands, and Patsy Ramsey throwing herself on top of Bonet had destroyed any touch evidence. Touch DNA evidence that would have been present on the body at the time. Right. Which begs the question. One, did Linda Arndt know that she should have been securing the body and making sure that it wasn't disturbed past what it already had been? Why did she move the body if she should know better?
2: (sighs) And Jean Bonnet was clearly dead. Then she's been dead for a while. I ordered him to put Jean Bonnet down. I knelt next to her and I leaned down to her face. And Jean leaned down opposite me. And um, his face was just inches from mine. And we had a nonverbal exchange that I will never forget. And he asked if she was dead. And I said, yes, she's dead.
0: All of the Ramses provided handwriting, blood, and hair samples to the police. However, John and Patsy never provided full statements to the police. And their, young, their, their son, uh, Burke Ramsey, was not formally interviewed by the police until weeks after the death of his sister.
1: Which, of course, he could have been trained at that point to say whatever he needed to say.
0: Yeah, and then he would not be formally interviewed again until five months after the death. Uh, the Ramses wouldn't be interviewed formally until five de- five months after the death of their daughter. Uh, the Ramses uh, from this point on, had hired a PR team. They had hired um, they had gotten their lawyers to back them immediately. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they were refusing to meet police for any interviews. They were, uh, they were traveling back and forth from Atlanta to Boulder. So whenever the police would go out to Atlanta to question them, they would be in Michigan or they would be in Boulder. And whenever the police went to Michigan or Boulder to question them, they'd be in the other place. And they just kept kind of, they had their own private jet. So they just kept kind of flying. So, um, so, like I said, there was a lot of very strange behavior um, that police witnessed from the from the Ramses, um, one of them being at one thirty p m John calls the pilot of their private jet that was waiting to take them to Michigan and tells him that they had to reroute to Atlanta. Oh, and the police were like, "No, you can't leave, you can't go anywhere right uh, strangely enough, Patsy's son from her previous marriage was on a flight to Boulder from Atlanta. Weird. Yeah. Um, also, the crime scene was not fully secured until 2pm. Oh my god. So, from 5.52am until 2pm, the crime scene was just completely mismanaged.
1: People were just running amok throughout that
0: house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... The autopsy of uh, John Bonet is very difficult. Um, There's been a lot that's been redacted. You know, you can go online, you can search, you can get the autopsy report, but like I said, a lot of it has been redacted. Uh, We don't know exactly why things have been redacted, but um, but ultimately, uh, the autopsy revealed that John Bonet had been killed by strangulation and a skull fracture. So uh, the coroner found that there was no evidence of what they call conventional rape, meaning penetration by a penis. um, Right. And there was no semen found. However, there was evidence of vaginal trauma, chronic inflammation, and epithelial erosion. The coroner also claimed that it appeared her vaginal area had been wiped with a cloth. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, preceding her death Uh, there was belief that many of the costumes that she wore for pageantry could have caused damage to her vulva I mean I guess it's possible I don't really know much about it
1: I mean but but like what is she wearing down there to do that like leotards and underwear like I don't think so
0: yeah I mean I wear leotards and underwear all the time my vulva is just fine (laughs) um
1: you and me me both (laughs)
0: Um, pediatric experts ultimately determined that she had received vaginal trauma prior to the day that she was killed and uh, people believe that this points to previous and prolonged sexual abuse uh the coroner believed that the sequence of events that led to her death were that uh she was tased in her bed with a stun gun taken to the basement and was strangled it is believed that john bonnet woke up in the process of being strangled and her assailant hit her over the head possibly with the stun gun that was used to tase her uh there was also green tinsel in her hair the autopsy also revealed that a vegetable or fruit material uh, uh may have been present uh which may have been pineapple uh-huh um which they say that she would have eaten a few hours before her death there are photographs of the ramsey house that were taken on the day that her body was found that show a bowl of pineapple with a spoon in it on the kitchen table both john and patsy ramsey deny that they put that bowl of pineapple there on the table the only fingerprints that were ever found on that bowl belonged to their son, Burke Ramsey. Right. So according to the Ramseys, Burke slept through the night and was only awoken several hours after the police arrived.
1: I mean, but, how would the pineapple get there then? That's... And, and, like, was the pineapple... The pineapple could easily have just been, like, had a sedative or something in there to make sure she sleeps through her own murder. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. I don't know.
0: Um, there was also DNA found under JonBenet's fingernails and on her underwear, but it didn't match anyone in the Ramsey house, their friends, or their family.
1: So it was strangers' DNA. Yes. So
0: that's, I mean, that's really the the bulk of the information when it comes to what happened to john Bonet. uh we don't really you know i mean other than that everything else is just speculation this is what we know we know that she was strangled she was and she uh, had a skull fracture we know that she had trauma to her vaginal area and we know that the crime scene wasn't processed properly everything else is speculation all this you know i mean as much as It seems very obvious that there was, you know, some cover-up going on. We don't know. We don't actually know what happened. But what we do know is that John Ramsey had a company called Access Graphics. And that company um, was actually purchased by Lockheed Martin, which is one of the country's biggest producers and distributors of military grade weapons okay uh so uh and they had grossed uh one billion dollars in revenue and on december 21st they had had this very big public uh banquet to honor their one billion dollar mark we also know for for certain that access graphics did business with the william morris agency the william morris agency has been rumored to send child quote-unquote models to events with government officials. Okay. In the 90s, Star Magazine made claims that a bunch of porn, a bunch of child porn had been downloaded onto Access Graphics computers. Uh, Access, Access Graphics also did a lot of work in Amsterdam's Red Light District, which is a hub of child sex trafficking. But James Ramsey nor Lockheed Martin ever made statements or pursued law lawsuits against Star Magazine for these claims. hmm Which, you know, I mean I feel, you know, I feel like if if any publication was making these, you know, defamatory statements about your business
1: You'd want to defend it.
0: <laughs> something. Uh, which but I also I do also do understand, you know, I mean, you don't want to draw any more
1: attention to it than And you don't want to say anything wrong because then you can't really take that back.
0: But it stands that John Ramsey was working for a company that made military-grade weapons for the United States government. Okay. So if his daughter was suspected of being kidnapped by a foreign you know faction group, faction mm-hmm. why did the government not step in why did the FBI just leave a wiretap and leave why didn't Lockheed Martin step in and provide protection for the rest of his family because Burke just got sent to Fleet White's home and stayed there yeah you know it's it, it all Seems very strange, especially because the president of Lockheed Martin came forward and said, no one asked us. No one asked us to to step in. There are there's protocol in place to handle these kinds of situations. John Ramsey never reached out to us. Why not? Wow. Yeah. This investigation was just doomed from the start. John Eller of the Boulder Police Department, who was in charge of the case, had never been in charge of a homicide investigation before and he had yeah and he had extreme distaste for the da so that's just not going to (laughs) work when your police and your district attorney do not get along things aren't going to go well exactly so um while the ramsays immediately surrounded themselves with a legal team and a pr firm they hired their own private investigators to investigate the the murder of their daughter. And the DA hired their own investigators, and the police department hired their own attorneys. Oh, my God. So literally, no one
1: was working together.
0: No one trusts anybody. No one's working together. And ultimately, you have a six-year-old girl who has been sexually abused and murdered, and no one was thinking about her. No one was concerned about... Her. Right. Everybody was just trying to one up everybody else. And it's really, it's really unfortunate. And that's part of the reason why the tabloids were able to control the narrative the way that they did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, I mean, I'm 31. I remember <laughs> seeing John Bonet's face on the cover of every magazine. Yeah. I, you know, it was very much a part of daily
1: life. What are you drinking?
0: Gin and soda.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, um you know, I mean it was it, it really was one of the biggest cases the world has ever seen. And um so the tabloids became a huge part of the JonBenet case. They kept changing the narrative, placing guilt on, you know, on the family and then placing guilt on the brothers specifically and and then placing blame on, you know, the neighbors. It was very it was very hard to get accurate information in the media
1: because, you
0: know, and there was a lot of things, there were a lot of things, a lot of things that happened. Um, A neighbor reported that they had heard a scream at 2am. So they did audio tests that, you know, they went into the basement and they made, they screamed to see if anyone in the rest of the Ramsey house would have been able to hear it. And they couldn't, but because of like the way that this window and this grate were, the neighbor was able to hear the scream oh which begs the question if you heard a scream you didn't call 911 you didn't do anything, which I mean I can't guarantee that if I heard a scream I would not know what to do but
1: <laughs> um, yeah so but
0: uh, it, would, it has also been argued that if the intruder had broken into the house that he would have left footprints because it, it had snowed But upon further inspection, they they could see that there was a clear path that led to the window that led into the basement. And then they tried to say, well, only a little person could fit into that window. And they were like, well, actually, no, a full-grown man could fit into that window. And then they proved it. (laughs) So,
1: But he would have had to go upstairs to get her and bring her body downstairs. Yes.
0: John Bonnet's bedroom was on the fourth floor. So no, he would have had it... to go from the basement all the way upstairs.
1: And he would He's... have had to know where her bedroom was. Yes. Exactly.
0: Also, there was no duct tape. There was no cord or stun gun found in the house at all. Well, so the, D- the DA's investigator, within a few days, concluded that the Ramseys were not involved. And he what what the DA's investigator concluded was that on December 25th while the ramseys were at a christmas party at their friend's house the intruder entered the home bringing with him the duct tape cord and the taser and he hid in the basement where he writes the ransom note before the family arrives home after the family has fallen asleep he goes upstairs uses the taser on john Bonnet, carries her down Stops on the steps where he props her up against the banister, which is where the tinsel from the Uh stairway banister gets into her hair. He Uh leaves the note on the stairs and then carries her the rest rest of the way downstairs. He then begins to sexually assault her and to strangle her. Now, strangulation is a very long and difficult process. (laughs)
1: But if it's a grown man with a six-year-old girl?
0: It's still it's still a really long process. It's I mean you still have to you know, you still have to cut off the oxygen long enough that the person yeah. dies. It's it's it does take a while. So in the process of him strangling strang, strangling her, she wakes up. Is this is what they believe. Then he hits her on the head. They believe that he did it with the taser. I'm saying he because not that a woman couldn't have done it. I think a woman absolutely could have done it but i think it's m- more it's it's believed that that it was probably a man who committed the crime so you know i mean he hits her on the head and then what he gets out of the house he you know i mean it's 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 like you were saying you have you know if you're leaving a ransom note to make people believe that this girl has been kidnapped you left the body there
1: right and also if they were at a christmas party who wasn't there? A babysitter there, like, or is this supposed to be? They had come home from the Christmas party, and this happened while they were in the house. Like this, asleep? yes,
0: this happened after they had come home from the Christmas party. Because Burke and and JonBenet had oh, both been at that Christmas party.
1: Yeah, at the party. Okay, and
0: everyone at the Christmas party said there was nothing out of the ordinary with with the the John with the with the Ramsays. Everything was fine. Jambinay was was normal, um, although. It was reported that two months prior to her death, Bonet was telling her her mother and close family friends about, you know, pain in her private areas. So, which also just, you know, adds to this belief that there was this constant and prolonged sexual assault going on.
1: Does a taser make noise? I feel like it does.
0: Honestly, I don't know. I've never used one. <laughs>
1: So I, I feel like from video, I don't know. If there was a teaser going off, I feel like someone would have heard it.
0: Yeah. I also don't know how far away everyone's rooms were. I mean, this is a huge, this was a, definitely a big house. I don't know how far away Patsy Ramsey's room was from John Bonet. Mm-hmm. You know, I also don't know if Patsy Ramsey and John Ramsey were drunk and if that oh, right. added to it. One of, The other theories, it was a big one, was Bill McReynolds. So Bill McReynolds was a former journalist, and he had been asked to play Santa at a different Christmas party uh, that the Ramseys had been to on the 23rd of December. And allegedly, he had given Bonnet a card that, that read, You will receive a special gift after Christmas. Oh. Um, Also very strange, his own daughter had been abducted exactly 22 years to the day before John Bonet was found dead in her basement.
1: Oh, I don't like that. Yes. I didn't Um, know that part.
0: Yes. Also, his wife, Janet, wrote a play about a young girl who was molested and then murdered in her own basement. Stop it. But the couple were both absolved of any wrongdoing due to dna testing jeez yeah so there are so so many different theories when it comes to who killed john Bonet. um the one that most people really seem to focus on is burke ramsey her brother and yeah i I, i've never i've never really you know subscribed to that theory i've always thought that if anything burke saw something and that's why his parents were so adamant to keep him away from police and not to answer any questions uh and to lie about him sleeping through the night so he recently did so yeah so burke did a uh did an interview uh back in 2016 and everybody talked about it and it was people saying, well, this just proves that he, you know, he did it and he's just trying to cover up and whatever. But um, ultimately, you know, he, he admits that he had left the door, uh, the front door unlocked the night of uh, Christmas 20, uh, 1996. Um, And so Mark little
1: boy was in charge of making sure the door was locked
0: apparently but um so you know mark mcclish did um he 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 did an analysis of the interview that burke ramsey did with dr phil um and not that i like dr phil i think dr phil is evil but um, so Dr. Phil asked Burke Ramsey, how would they have broken into the house, do you think? And he said, I've heard the basement window. I remember for a long time, I I think I unlocked the front door during Christmas Day, and I always felt bad about doing that. Not that a locked door would stop somebody if they wanted to do something like that. And Mark McClish said... If Burke had killed his sister, then he knows that there was no intruder. If he knows there was no intruder, why would he feel bad about leaving the front door unlocked? This is an indication he is telling the truth. He believes that there was an intruder and he may have helped that person enter their house. Is it possible he is making this up? He wants us to believe he felt responsible for letting someone into their house. The problem is most deceptive people are not smart enough to include information like this in their statement. And I I I I do believe that Burke is innocent. If anything, I think that, like I said, Burke might have saw something back in 1996 that now he doesn't remember because he was only ten. And I think at the time, Patsy and John didn't want him speaking to police because they didn't want him possibly, you know, telling the police something that was incriminating to either them or to someone else so
1: question yes do you think though that he had possibly because he was older and boys are curious faster i think or i don't know really do you think he was taking advantage of her sexually like and that's why she was coming to her parents saying like i have you know like this <laughs> this area hurts or you know like could he have been I guess molesting her throughout that time, and maybe, maybe he didn't murder her, but maybe she was murdered because, because of that instance. I don't know. Has that th- ever been speculated?
0: It has absolutely been speculated. I, I personally don't think that Burke was um, sexually abusing her in any way. I think that if anyone was sexually abusing her, it was. Uh, it was an adult male, um, and I think that very recently there has been uh, a lot more speculation on the fact that she may have been involved in some of these child sex rings that have been happening.
1: Oh, right. We're gonna get into. So that. we're gonna.
0: Yes, yeah, so we're definitely gonna get into that. I just, I, I want to, you know, just mention a couple of the, of the theories before we do that. Just, you know, of I, course. I, I don't want people to think that I'm just ignoring all of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, you know, so there have been speculations that the, the perpetrator knew the family. Um, so in terms of statistics, only 27% of six year olds are killed by strangers. Uh, okay. So this, out of 644 U.S. homicides of victims age six between 1976 and 2004, 73% knew the offender and 27% of the killers were strangers. Um, most young children are killed by their parents. As uh, uh, So out of 769 U.S. homicides of victims under the age of five in 1996, 50 percent 50.2 percent were killed by their parents six percent by other family members and 29.8 percent by friends slash acquaintances and only 2.4 percent by strangers wow um and most child molesters know their victims uh, the child molestation research and, Pre- and prevention institute has noted that 90 percent of child molest child molesters target children in their network of family and friends only 10% of child molesters molest children that they don't know.
1: And, well, I mean, she was in the spotlight in the pageant business as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. And that's, and that's another thing, you know, um, we didn't, I didn't really talk about It opens about, her up to more that. people. But... Yeah. I didn't really mention, mention it. Um, I think a lot of people have, have, have said it and it's, it's, you know, it's been talked about a lot. Um, and that, the culture of child pageantry is a very uh sexualized uh environment for um for children to be part of uh, a lot of people consider it to be sexual abuse to, to yeah. the children and i think that in a lot of in a lot of instances that is that is definitely true and understandable um i think that you have you know you i mean you have magazines that are specifically geared toward pageant children that are you know photographed and put out there for strangers to buy and you know you're you have children in in very revealing clothing children in bathing suits um it's kind of like you know it's it's a very accessible way for people who want to Victimized children to get their hands on material with children in a sexualized fashion,
1: right? Um,
0: and John Bonet, you know, had, you know, I mean, she had I think she, somewhere near twenty four titles, um, and she's six years old, so I can't even imagine the the number of. Of pageants that she had been in the amount of people who she was exposed to the amount of people who knew who she was you know for all intents and purposes in the in the child pageant circuit she was a celebrity there was (laughs) a um, child pornography and sex ring that was um, functioning out of Denver uh, which child models quote-unquote were used for sexual favors Brock Franklin received 472 years in prison for operating this sex trafficking ring that preyed on young girls and women. And Jesus. so that was I mean and that was functioning right out of Colorado. So it was Denver, they were from Boulder. So it's right. it's you know um a lot of these young pageant girls were getting photographed and then making their way into these rings where they're being victimized by older men, by, by state officials, things like that. Mm. -hmm. Um, and then, let's see. Um, so there's a lot of conspiracy theories that surround this case. I think some of them are pretty hilarious. I'm not going to get into the satanic rituals. Um, because they're always the same. Right. Um, although this one involves Mengele, which is really interesting, and a sacrifice that is referred to as the last bulb of the Christmas tree, which is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> There's no proof that it exists. <laughs> but whenever people start delving into um, satanic rituals, it always gets a little interesting. Uh, yeah. So we have... One of my favorite conspiracy theories revolves around nine eleven It doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to say it anyway so John <laughs> Ramsey and patsy Ram- Patsy ramsey's father both both helped found access graphics and then worked for Lockheed Martin once it was purchased by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this meant that John Ramsey could have the means to access information regarding the continuity of government program, which is which are defined procedures that allow the government to continue essential operations in case of a catastrophic event, such as a mass terrorist attack, just like nine 11. Mm -hmm. Um, If you remember in, you know, in 2001 during nine 11, George W. Bush was ushered to an undisclosed location and Dick Cheney was the acting president. This is, in its barest form the continuity of government program basically what it is is in case of a catastrophic event nuclear war government officials are split up sent to undisclosed locations certain people are placed into power to kind of govern while the rest of these government officials are working from their undisclosed locations to keep the government running uh so it's theorized that John Ramsey refused to participate in the steps that were leading up to 9/11. If you believe that it was a conspiracy and that it that it was the Bushes were planning this forever, I don't know. Right. I honestly, I honestly have no idea. I can't even get into those <laughs> those conspiracy <laughs> theories. The Reddit. Once I get into like a Reddit conspiracy theory, I just go down the rabbit hole and then I'm just i can't go to sleep it's like
1: 5 a.m. later like yeah
0: um so what what they believe is that the government framed him with the death of his child because he didn't want to participate and they say that part of the part of the reason they believe that is because a year earlier adobe graphics had an executive kidnapped and hundreds of fbi agents were put on the case to you know to get this this executive back, and the same thing happened in Michigan, so why was it that a man who worked for one of the country's largest weapons dealers received no help other than a wiretap um so it's it, you know I mean there definitely is something weird going on there, but I don't know mm-hmm. if it goes all the way to nine eleven that's a bit much
1: yeah, I don't think so
0: you know also we we did kind of touch on um The possibility that Lockheed Martin was involved in human sex trafficking and government funded child sex rings, which right now is very prevalent. Uh, You know, we do know for a fact uh, back then we didn't. You know, I mean, we kind of had like everybody kind of felt like there was something going on with with Jeffrey Epstein, but nobody really knew for a fact that things were going on. And and the more people talked about it, the more people kind of said, oh, it's just a conspiracy theory and forget about it. Uh, But now we know for a fact that there are that Jeffrey Epstein had a whole Island and there were government officials that were going to that Island that were part of the, this, this thing that was happening. Um, Why are
1: so many people in power into fucking child molestation? Like what is that about?
0: I I don't know. It's, it's really gut wrenching
1: and, and horrific. It's disgusting.
0: Um, but it has been said that many child beauty pageant contestants have often been the target of mk ultra mk ultra you know uh so mk ultra gets a little interesting and bizarre so when you're talking about mk ultra we're talking about um you know sleeper cells we're talking about you know women who are um pageant queens who Get targeted by MK Ultra. They get brainwashed, and MK Ultra installs them with these like alters that kind of take over, and they can, you know, there are certain keywords that can flip them into a certain altar and that alter can carry out a set of commands that have been placed there by the CIA. Okay. So, um, there is a book, and. It's by Kathy O'Brien. It's called The Trance, like T-R-A-N-C-E, Trance Formation uh-huh. of America, True Life Story of a Mind Control Slave, where she talks about how MK Ultra brainwashed her and turned her into this sex robot. Uh-huh. I don't know if I believe it, but people... Did say photographers and people who worked with John Bonet said that she was able to stop moving for what seemed like inhuman amounts of time. John Bonet? Yes, while being photographed. A six year old girl <laughs> being able to stop for inhuman amounts of time and pose like a statue. Weird. They also say that Patsy Ramsey and her sister were inhumanly automaton and on autopilot.
1: Oh no.
0: And during interviews, people said that Patsy Ramsey was said to display symptoms of multiple personality switching in the middle of interviews. Wow. Yes. Do I believe it all? I don't know. I think that there, you know, there's definitely a, a case to be made for it. Um, But Recently, the thing that really made me want to dive back into this investigation. So recently, a photo of John Binet had surfaced, and people have been claiming that in the back of the the photo, you can see, uh, Lane Maxwell, who is the confidant and friend of Jeffrey Epstein, the person who was out trafficking children for him the person who he who at supposedly at this moment in time has all of the videos and photos and and evidence that would put a lot of people in power in a really bad situation um, right. so this photo has come forward we don't know the source of the photo uh, but people have been uh, so in the photo, you will see kind of a side side profile from um from more over the shoulder of a woman's face, so people have been comparing different angles of her face to try and prove that it is her in the photograph um the photo is very bizarre it's um, it's John Binet in this like really strange like um bavarian costume almost yeah um
1: like what event would that be
0: (laughs) i don't know but the full photo has like asian characters on it okay it's it's very strange um and that's it like people really don't like people are saying they don't know like where it came from but if you like if you do compare it i could i could see why people are saying that it's her it is very it's a very close match it is a very close match now the question becomes how would just Math- maxwell who is a british socialite how would she know the ramsays well it right, turns yeah. out that just matthews and the and the ramses had the same law firm and that would be Haddon morgan foreman oh my god God. yes (laughs) um it's it's very bizarre and 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 then it the question becomes then why would a british socialite retain a colorado-based law firm
1: right but also, if they were, I mean, unless they were, like, posing as talent scouts, which I know that they were, like, would JonBenet's parents know that that was happening to their child?
0: Here, Well, this is, this is what we, you know, it goes back to what, what we were saying about Access Graphics. Access Graphics worked with the William Morris Agency, which is a talent scout agency, which has been known to hire child models for events. So... It really, you know, I mean, the connections are are there a little bit. It's it's one of those things. That, is it is it a crazy conspiracy theory? A little bit, but it's at this moment in time, it is convincing.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, especially because, um, so we did an episode a while back about Johnny Gosch. Okay. Johnny Gosch, um had disappeared, uh, snatched off the street and eventually people were coming forward and saying Johnny Gosh was abducted by a group who was running a government run child sex trafficking ring and that Johnny Gosh was part of it that he was abducted and this you know these people who came forward they said they knew because they were part of it they were you know they were victims of it and that they were eventually asked to also help take children in and at the time Noreen Gosh, who's Johnny Gosh's mother, who was trying to get to the bottom of this and trying to prove that this was happening, everyone called her crazy. Everyone told her that you know she was that she was just you know living up these conspiracy theories. But now we know for a fact, we know for a fact that it's real. We know that it's really happening. So it really becomes the question: Do you you know is it possible? Is it possible that somehow John Binet was was part of, of, or she was a victim of these people who? run the government who are part of these child sex trafficking rings. And then you delve further into things and you find you you look into the case of Madeline McCann who when Madeline McCann disappeared, people swore that the parents did it up and down. You know, she was snatched in Portugal from the the resort where she was staying and the people put out this, you know, the police put out this composite sketch and no one seemed to fit the sketch. But then you look at the sketch, and it looks just like the Slain Maxwell. Maxwell. <gasps> it is eerie. Hold on, I'm gonna send it to you.
1: Please do.
0: Oh, no. It's eerie how much she looks just
1: like... Yeah. You know. Okay, but then who, like, then how did John Bonet die, though? Like, sure, she could be involved, or not involved, but she could have been a victim of these people but then who was the one that murdered her do you think
0: um see and th- and that's it i don't honestly i don't know it could have been a situation where if they were trying to abduct her it was an abduction gone wrong she woke up she started screaming the person panicked and they killed her mm-hmm. or it could have been that m- maybe they weren't abducting her maybe this was just business as usual they were, you know, maybe they were pimping her out and this was just another one of those sessions that got rough. Or it was somebody who was trying to silence her because she was starting to tell people that she was a
1: victim of sexual abuse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, I mean, it's one thing to snatch a child and to put them into sex trafficking it's another to have a child who's living at home with their parents who can't disappear out of the spotlight because she is at you know i mean she's locally famous and you know to pull her you know to to abduct her to kidnap her would be it would be it would draw way too much attention to what was going on you know when she starts making statements when she starts you know telling people that you know she's afraid and that and that you know her private areas hurt somebody's got to step in and do something you know it's it's very it's it's very difficult i i was last night i was on reddit and i was diving really deep (laughs) into these conspiracy theories a lot of them are pretty ridiculous you know like the the john Bonet is Katy perry what probably the most ridiculous (laughs) yeah ultimately i think that I don't think the parents killed her. I think that they knew that she was part of, or or they knew that, you know, that this was happening to her and they didn't do anything to stop it. Uh, I don't I think, do that,
1: think they knew she was dead before. they oh, called Oh the yeah, police.
0: for sure. And I think that, I think that they, I think they staged the crime scene. I don't, I don't think that she, I don't think she died in the basement. I think that, she was probably killed in her bedroom, and after that, they her parents staged it to look like she was killed in the basement. They wrote the, the note, they went up, they got her, they carried her down the steps, they stopped, they put her down, they put the note on the steps, and then they went down to the basement, put her there, and staged the whole thing. I think that Burke saw something... Whether it be his parents staging the crime scene, or he saw the person who killed his sister, and in in order to protect him, they, you know, the parents did everything they could to cover it up. But ultimately, the thing about the JonBenet case is that it just leaves way more questions than it gives
1: answers. It really does. It's so dark.
0: It, It yes, and you know, I mean, I could go into like I could go into all of the different suspects that they had there is there is a, a list it's uh, it's pretty intense um so there were 77 oh my god suspects wow yeah 77 suspects um that
1: yeah
0: absolutely um some of them included uh, a basement painter our, our Santa Claus, uh, Geraldine, who was the the former Ramsey housekeeper, uh, the Bankers Hill rapist, um, the Ramsey handyman, a yeah. friend of the Ramseys' handyman. There were so many people who were, you know, who were suspected of doing this. It was, you know, because they literally had nothing to go on because they really screwed up <laughs> the investigation yeah. in the crime scene. So they were literally working with, with a a blank canvas. So uh, and then there was, uh, you know, one of, uh, there was a teacher who, uh, who confessed to killing uh, John Benet Ramsey, and then turned out that he couldn't possibly have done it. It really. What's even the
1: point of confess? Like just for being in the spotlight? Like why would you confess to a murder you didn't do? You I don't know,
0: but ultimately what it comes down to is I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to know for sure what happened to John Bonet, if it does have something to do with, you know, what they're calling pizza gate. Uh, I, I hope that it eventually comes to light. I don't know. I, so I you know, I don't know if that's ever going to happen due to the fact that, I mean, you know, do do I believe that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself? No, I don't. And honestly, if if uh, Maxwell ends up dead, I I I don't believe that she is going to kill herself either. Um,
1: I mean, yeah, if she ends up dead as well, that'll just like solidify that she was murdered. That it's all one big cover up.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I don't. I don't know. I, I, you know, and I think that's, that's really what it, what it comes down to is none of us really know. And until there is a break in the case, it's still an open case. It's, it's currently inactive. Uh, but it is an open case. So it's possible that eventually somebody will come forward with information. That's, that's really all we can hope for at this point right uh, you know but as as is, as is the case with quite a few of these uh child murders and child abductions you know you it's the same thing with the madeline mccann case you want to blame the parents the parents seem so guilty and i think it's because the parents do carry a lot of guilt with them i think that they do feel responsible in some way right and Therefore, they appear way more guilty than they might actually be. And, you know, ultimately, this is all speculation. You know, I mean, I could be completely wrong and I'm just making stuff up. But it's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is for entertainment purposes. Right. <laughs> so don't sue me. Um, But, yeah, I mean... We could do this all night. I literally could be up until five in the morning sitting here, just making up theories, but we do eventually have to call it
1: a day. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but thanks for, for joining me for this. Thanks for having me, babe. It's been great. I just, I don't know what a crazy case. I just cannot believe that it was never solved. I hope, I truly hope it is at some point.
0: Yeah. I mean, ultimately I, you know, I, we could have a, I could have my own podcast on just the JonBenet just case, the JonBenet
1: like, podcast,
0: literally. And you know, so trying to trying to squeeze it into, uh, so far it's been like an hour and forty five minutes. <laughs> Is uh, you know, it, it, I, I can't, obviously can't talk about everything that I would like to talk about. I obviously can't delve into all seventy seven suspects as would be my want, but.
1: Hey, um, I mean if you did a JonBenet podcast, every episode could be a suspect.
0: This is true. Um so but I just want to, you know, let everybody know um my sources just real quick. I like to yeah. you know, let that out. And and then if you're interested and you can't sleep one night and you want to look, you can do it too. Um, <laughs> so uh there is a website called the JonBenet Ramsey Case Encyclopedia this is a humongous amount of information. It literally breaks things down into the timeline, the evidence, different theories, who's who in the JonBenét Ramsey case, uh, legal issues surrounding the JonBenét Ramsey case, um, and then different media outlets where you can read or listen or, or learn about stuff. Um, Right. And it's, it's literally run by, people who are like web sleuths who are online, like they're putting together sound files. They're putting together, um, you know, theories and evidence they have. It's actually out of control. So, but if you're, if you, if you really want to dive in, (laughs) go right ahead and just literally um, if you search John Bonet Ramsey case encyclopedia, JohnBenetRamsey.PBWorks.com. It'll come up, and you can peruse to your heart's content. I, you'll never sleep again. Um, <laughs> like they have, like when I tell you, like full PDFs. Like it's really out of control, but lovely and wonderful. And and if you have the time to sit around and and do that, good for you. Because I, oh, honey, there's not enough the time. There's not enough hours in the day. But um, so uh, also um i found a lot of information uh well one i obviously my good old friend wikipedia um classic i mean listen wikipedia is always the jumping off point (laughs) so um i love wikipedia i use it often uh i also got a bunch of information from multiple (laughs) different podcasts um one of them being uh the last podcast on the left there i will let you know if you plan on listening to that be very very careful trigger warning it's really difficult to listen to um they make a lot of very off color jokes um oh no oh yeah it was very very tough um my favorite murder did an episode episode 35 a small foreign faction it's mm-hmm. they they're good it's light on details but still fun but on detail
1: I think if they redid it they would go more in depth because that was still so early in their podcast it was um
0: so but there like I said there's so many um there's so many other and then of course like I just I do a lot of digging on reddit and then I cross reference my sources and I reverse image search things so um so I do a lot of that myself but Wonderful. And again, Salmonella, thank you so much for coming. I hope everybody um, enjoyed you and I, I hope you enjoyed yourself. And I can't thank you enough for spending an hour and 50 some odd minutes with me.
1: <laughs> oh my God. It was my pleasure. I would love to come back anytime you want me.
0: Absolutely. Um, so Salma, why don't you tell everybody where they can um, follow you? I know that you mentioned your YouTube channel before, but if you just want to let everybody know your um, your social medias,
1: yeah, um so I'm on Instagram and TikTok under SelmanellaNYC that's S E L M A N I L L A N Y C. Um like yeah, YouTube my cluck that uh cooking show comes out every Wednesday. Um hmm, I think that's about it.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. And you can always find us on The Drunk Detectives uh that's on Instagram. You can email me if you have been sitting at home and reading information about John and you want to tell me what you think is really cool, you can email me at the at gmail dot com. And yeah, or you can just email me to say hi. That'd be nice too. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on radio um on iHeartRadio. We're everywhere. So Ah, uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll be back soon with some more deep, deep seeded murder. So if that's what you like, then I'll be here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Honey, I love a deep seed.
0: Oh yeah, that's why. That's why I got my poppers right here, just
1: work, just at the ready, <laughs> just ready to go.
0: <laughs> All right, thank you guys so much. Bye. Bye.